0: Who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers... Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. Thanks, Lauren. And this is, as so I was preparing to preach on this passage this week, this is just one of those passages that I wish in some ways I could just read it. And say, there you go. And then sit down and walk away. It's just, uh, they're really great words. This is a really wonderful passage that is full of hope. And maybe one day when I'm old and given tenure, I'll do be brave enough to do just that. I think tenure is a thing here, right? <laughs> um, but uh, as I was thinking about this, there's something I want to say right up front before we get into this. Um, I remember a little while back, I was reading an article about punk rock bands in, the, in Great Britain around 1975 era. And they were talking about just the state of rock and roll at the time. And it, a sense, what would take place in rock and roll at that time was that people would gather together, have these big rock shows. They would, you know, you would stick it to the man, pump your fist, everything that was weighing upon you for a brief moment. Then you would pretend that you had freedom from, kind of get a high, and then you would go home. And you would wake up on Monday morning, probably hungover, and have to go do the exact same stuff that you did before the weekend started on Monday. And we kind of live in this same kind of reality. It is wonderful in some ways. I wonder if you feel this on Sundays. We sit in here and we listen to the good news about God and what it means for us. And the gospel, and it sounds really good, and it feels really good. And then we've got to turn right back around and go to work on Monday, and it feels like nothing has changed. all the same stuff is still there. All the stuff that weighs down on top of us is still there. And it can make us wonder, what do we do with that? Is Is this just something that we need to really believe fervently enough? and work it up in ourselves so that we have the kind of commitment that we can make it through the end of the week and still singing the praises of Jesus. And I think it's in that situation why this passage is so wonderful, because the words are very triumphant and they're wonderful, but it is just full of realism. And in some ways, there's actually bad news for us. Uh, But this is a story about God, not us, not our own fervor, It is a story about God who is living and who is active and who is at work every day of the week. No matter what day of the week underwear you're wearing, He is still there and He is still on the move for us. So with that being said, here's how we're going to do this. The way that Paul is framing this is he is giving us a new situation that we have in Christ. He spent the whole letter building up to this point point. And he lays out here the effects of what Christ means for the people of God, which are really, really wonderful. But it creates this whole new situation that is not separate from Monday morning, but it is right in the middle of it. And that new situation is this, is that those who belong to God by faith share security and endurance and above all and wrapped all around those things like a cord. Is the love of God Which we'll go to it, We'll reach all the way through And then I'll hit on it specifically Right at the end So let's jump in Uh, First let's look at safety We'll look at um, our security, safety Whichever you want to call it Verses 31 through 34 Uh, Paul starts out in verse 31 And he says What then shall we say to these things? And so he's linking this With what he has already said so far And I think what he means here is he is tying together themes That he has started developing all the way from the beginning That are bringing in some, coming to some sort of climax in this situation right here And we have to understand where we've been In order to understand the effect that the gospel has for us And there's two themes I want to remind us of The first one is that God is a righteous God if you the word righteousness has been all the way through this letter, building up until now, and that means several things. One, it means that God is He is right. It means He is full of He is, He is full of perfection. He has no sin. He always does the right thing. But in a way, we have to face that what Paul has been talking about in the first few chapters, and he keeps hitting on again and again and again, is that God is actually righteous to judge, and to get rid of everything in his world that is not right. That God created a good world that he loves. And out of love, he cannot sit by and let the world go about as it is, with evil reigning, and sit on the side and do absolutely nothing. Uh, To use a phrase we might hear um, in our day and age, it's like, if God were not part of the solution, he would be part of the problem. If he were to just sit back and let it go, that would reflect poorly on God himself and his own righteousness. But he's not, he's righteous. That God is determined out of love to make everything that is wrong again, to make it right. And that puts us in a very difficult predicament, as he has also developed The state of human beings and how we have all rebelled against God from the heart. And so, as God is on a mission of righteousness to make his world right, then we find ourselves both suffering the effects of sin in the world, that we suffer every day because sin is here, and we also find ourselves on the wrong side of God's righteousness. That we are part of the problem, we need solving. God has to deal with our sin. And so to use a metaphor, you can picture God, I think, like a mama bear that is big and it is terrifying and he is determined to go after whatever is threatening to him. And that includes us. That's theme one. So as he says, we are picking up on these things that he said. We have to keep God's righteousness and even his judgment in view to understand this. But if we go through here in a few more verses, what does he starts talking about? He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? So how did God become for us when he used to be himself against us? And that's this, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. So what has God done? Is it the second theme Paul has been working from the beginning of the letter is that as God is rightly on a mission to make everything right again in His world and we stand against Him, He did not pour out His full righteous judgment on the earth immediately. He made another way. And that is through Jesus Christ. That everything that was deserved for us, then Christ stands in the place and he pours the full effect out on Jesus. God proving himself as righteous in Jesus. But because God then acts as both the judge and the one who's convicted at the same time, then he supplies his own means of righteousness. For you and for me. And because of that, we know and can have confidence that it is effective. God named what it takes to fulfill His righteousness, and God supplied it Himself outside of us. And what does that mean for us? Because when we look at our own lives, and this is the thing that is totally unique and wonderful and hard about the gospel, is that when we look at our own lives, we know, if we're honest, that we're not right. And that as righteous as God is, in through Jesus, we are not righteous all on our own. If someone were to accuse us, we would have to say, you're exactly right. I can't stand on anything except um, the truth. You're right. I am not right in and of myself. But God, through Jesus Christ, he made a new way so that his Righteous judgment is not directed towards his people, but he poured it out on his own son instead. So God can look at you, sinful as you are, and say, you are right. Not because of yourself. Actually, in spite of yourself, you are right because I have made you right in Christ Jesus. And that, in a lot of ways, brings us up here to chapter 8. And that's not the end of the story. And that the good news of this is that, let's keep on reading this, that God, Christ Jesus, the one who died, the one who died in our place, more than that, He was raised. And who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. You see, God's mission continues. Even, and it won't stop until the end, until everything is made right again. But because of what Jesus did for us, if you picture God as the great mama bear who is after, out of love to make his creation right, that what Jesus does is he takes his people and actually enfolds us inside himself. And as he is raised and sits at the right hand of God to direct the rest of the course of history, according to his will, according to his father's will, the people who belong to him by faith are swallowed up inside of him. And so... God, who was the angry mama bear against us, it's like he has changed all of us to his bear cubs. And the righteousness of God means something totally different. God is not against his people. God is actually ruthlessly out of love in protection of his own people. He will not stop like a mama bear until his people make it all the way to the end safely. And that is really good news for us. And I don't know about you, I know this is true of me, if you have grown up in the church, if you have not, I think many of us in this room probably go about our whole lives thinking that God is somehow against us. One, when we come to grips with our own sin, and we say, how in the world can God be said to be for me when my life looks like this? That can't be true. He has to be against me. And there's the other way, that whenever we experience the suffering in life and the frustration, then we also tend to say, God can't be here for me either. You know, something bad happens and it it takes a very little thing before we're like, there's no God. He doesn't care about me. He wouldn't let this happen if he was really for me. He has to be against me or maybe he's not even there. And we walk around feeling this way, but it could not be farther from the truth. That everyone who belong to God are like his bear bear cubs, that he is devoted to bring in you and to make in you the type of glory that he has in himself. He has put his spirit in us. Then he is determined to finish the job all the way to the end. So whether it's with our sin or whether it's with our ultimate destination, that the situation of the people of God, whatever we face, is one where we have Jesus who goes before us, who is defending us. It is a message of incredible safety that we have here. But that's just one point. If we stop there, I think that we really would walk out of here with a kind of sense of triumphalism and and, uh, think that because this is true, nothing is going to happen to me again and it's all going to go well. But we keep reading and we start to find some um, words we might wish that were not in here. So if you pick, we pick up here in verse 35, he says, Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? For your sake we are being killed... All the day long And we might wonder why he put these words in here And I, as I was reading this It made me think of Just suppose you have a, you're talking to a friend You just meet this person um, And you spend the day together And you're having a great time And at the end of the day they turn to you And they say You know what, I really like you I've had a great day with you You're not stuck up at all You're not Snobbish You don't just talk about yourself all the time. I really like you. You're like, thanks. Why did you say that? Like, am I up against something here that um, I might want to know about that maybe people are saying about me? And I kind of have the same here. We get to these words and we're singing his praises and then, oh, is this really what it's like? Is this really what I'm up against? Um, Can you explain a little bit further why you put these in here? And I think this is really important. So if you think of the safety point, as this is the Sunday morning reality, we have crossed over Sunday night and now we're in the Monday morning reality. And this is what life is really like for the people of God and for people in general. And what's that? This is a reminder to us. That God's work of justification on our behalf, His work of adoption to us, it is not a message to tell us that life is just going to go okay how we want. That it's going to be full of peace and prosperity, and nothing bad is going to happen. In fact, in a way, He's saying that it's the opposite. Because He's saying, as He quotes this verse from Psalm 44, like we read earlier, For your sake... We are being killed all the day long. So the identification with Jesus, with God and His people, it means that the enemies of God actually become the enemies of His people as well. It means that there's a call for endurance through suffering for the sake of the Lord. It means that the calling of the people of God is to value the things that God values, and to love the thing that God loves, and to follow the instructions of what God has for us, and so on, even when it hurts. Because He is our God, and He has redeemed us, and He has called us His own. There's a reciprocal relationship here, that being brought into the people of God, that the calling... It is not about us. That what it is ultimately about is God's work. It is about His identity. It is about His character. It's not just about what He can do for us to make our lives easier. And that is a difficult pill to swallow. Just like we talked about earlier. I mean, I, a couple weeks ago I mentioned we got a dog. and I, If she eats one more Christmas ornament... That I've had since I was a child off of our Christmas tree, then she is out. I mean, it, it doesn't take much <laughs> before we go down this road that, um, like, there is no God. Like, you just you become an atheist real, real quick when the smallest thing happens. Because, and somehow, despite what we read, we end up believing in our hearts that if God really loved us, we are defining His love by how easy my life is going. And we miss what God is all about. We turn it around so that God, if God was loving, He would be about me. But the true message is that God calls us to Himself. He makes us a part of His people so that we can belong and follow Him instead. And that means a lot of things. Sometimes that does mean some of these... um, they mean persecution. In a lot of places, then that's a very real thing. Even here, it can, you know, as you scroll, scroll through your Twitter feed, you get a lot of opinions and comments that are kind of unsettling. You know, it's, I don't like being labeled a bigot. It's even in small ways, and that's a reality. But even beyond that, the act of loving God and singing His praises when He is allowing me to suffer, is a suffering all on its own. But that's what it's about. Because God has called a people to Himself, and He has planted them in the real life, in the real situation that we are all in. And if we think about this, this is not new. This is actually the pattern of what God did, even with His own Son, Jesus. If If you caught this, in the very first couple of verses, verses, in verse 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Now, we are not Jesus. God is not asking us to do what he already did for us in Jesus. But as we saw, and Will even touched on this through chapter 8, that there's a pattern here. That following Jesus actually means more suffering for us. Not just going along with the flow of whatever is easiest, but of actually having new hearts that love new things that goes against the grain with what the kinds of stuff that we face. This is what Jesus did. For the sake of His Father, He endured all things. And He made a way for us so that we could follow Jesus on the same path. That is really hard. I mean, I... I do not like suffering at all. I'm kind of a weenie. And I, that really grates against. I mean, just think about what, do you, I mean, what does that make you think of? That your life is no longer defined by you and your comfort, but it's defined by Jesus, the one who gave himself for you. That is really, really hard, and that grates against everything we have in our flesh. There's more to it than this. And I want to tackle this question. Is that what? So what do we do with our heart? We've looked at the security issue. We've looked at what God has done for us. We've looked at what this involves. The endurance aspect. How do you do that? How do you deal with the heart that just rages against suffering and only wants our own way and only wants our own way now? And that's the last point, is love. If you've noticed the language working through here, and this actually extends through the letter, one theologian pointed out, which I think is really interesting, that all of this language of righteousness, when he gets to chapter 8, it's like it turns on its head. And rather than righteousness, we get this word love that starts coming in here again and again and again and again. And especially here in these last few verses, look at this. Verse 37, no, in all these things, despite what he just said, all this tribulation, and distress, persecution, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God In Christ Jesus our Lord All of this is not just about Giving you a new situation It's about giving you a new relationship of love God Loved you And he is willing to do In you Something you could not do for yourself But also something you would never do for yourself And I think if you'll just take this first verse In all these things we are more than conquerors Through him who loved us I think this looks back to Romans 8.28, which we looked at last time. That for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That God, out of love and out of His power that He could only do in Jesus Christ, that He is able to take even the hardest suffering and turn it upside down and not just get us through it, as if we would be conquerors, but that he even uses those things to change our hearts so that we meet and know God and his love that he has for us. Even in the present, as he is tying up all the threads and leading his world to a time of future glory, which we are all longing for, and we are all waiting, that God is determined even in your heart Out of love for you to get in there and to show you Himself through His love. It is only a relationship of love that your heart can be free to even do this. To suffer for the sake of anything, it takes love. But as overwhelming as that is, as God moves towards us, He shows us Himself, He draws us to Himself as love there is a further reassurance and that all of this is done not on you and your own strength, but this is done in Christ Jesus our Lord. That the one whom God gave up, the one who is righteous, the one who God is proud of, the one whose spirit dwells in you, that one, he is able, the one to turn suffering into glory, he is the one Who is in you and is committed to you and who is able to do this through you. Even when just on your own, it is not possible. Christ Jesus came not just to make us justified, not just to bring us to the end, to glorify us. But he came to show us his love for us. So that no matter what day of the week it is, that through the cross, you would have assurance that he loves you. As sinful as you are, the things that weigh on your conscience, the ways you give it up in the middle of suffering, God has given you an assurance that He loves you through the cross. But it is also through the cross that He has the power to do it. So what's the call for us? The call for us is to draw near to God. That's what all of this is leading us to. To see Him. To spend time with Him. He wants to know... You're suffering. He wants to know where you blow it. He wants to know what you're afraid of. He wants to know what is deep in in those corners of your hearts, So that he can get in there and change it. But he has promised you that he will do that. And it will often hurt. I mean, you will probably experience in your life that the greatest work that God does through you is far more painful in the beginning than um, in the end. God is a way of turning suffering and turning it upside down, just like Jesus. But the good news here, I think, is that God is more committed to you to do this in you than you are to him. And that is a promise that we can lean on here. So what I want to do is, if you'll bear with me, because I really love this passage and I think that these words are so good. I just want to read it one more time and then I'll be done. So we can walk away hearing these same words that we read in the beginning. nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father, we humbly ask that you would sink these promises into our hearts. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he did on the cross, how he demonstrated your love for us, and how he made a way for us. But we ask, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, That you and your power through Jesus would use those things not to undo us, but that you would use them such that they would be times where we came to know you and your love for us. And we have the assurance through Jesus that you will do just that. We pray this in his name. Amen.